0: go across the sea for me to see to my love There she goes above the misty hills to the clouds that are above She rides high on disco lights but I fear that she smells my fear I once danced in a rainbow below the earth only once but nothing was more clear I must continue to fight for the divine right to die the tunnel it is far too bright man it seems out of sight
1: hello hello i'm andrew i'm rachel and this is the hip squared podcast
2: it absolutely is not
1: what is it then
2: armchair apocrypha
1: that's right this is the uh, podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories
2: possibly true
1: we had a little bit of a snafu (laughs) a couple weekends ago when we were trying to um uh, fix it um post the podcast Mm-hmm. So Rachel was out of town that week, mm-hmm. and my friend John came over to fill in for her. Um, John Beecham is the founder of the digital arts collective uh, American Fantastic. Um, he's the host of the podcast Hip Squared and 5 o Talk To. Um, so he came over to fill in for. Her. It was a great episode, great recording. Um, he talked <coughs> about Nellie Bly, um, and we're gonna have to re-record the episode because I would my, have loved to have heard that. It was a good recording. <sighs> Damn it! And we lost it when my computer crashed. Boo! Um, so I spent all uh, all Saturday night trying to uh, restore the computer, and then uh, all day Sunday trying to retrieve the de- the audio file um and i could not so we didn't have a did you tell him the news i did tell him i told him all of basically what happened did he cry he did not cry he him. was he was like i would have backed it up to the cloud like once it was finished recording but that was just me <laughs> and i was like i usually back it up to my um to my uh usb card um but i usually do that after i mm-hmm. mix everything yep um and this time it was in the middle of mixing, so mm-hmm. did not get around to it.
2: And I said for a while. <laughs>
1: um, Cheers your week? to a recording. It yeah. was
2: it was a decent, decent week.
1: I've seen you a lot more this week.
2: Yes, I've graced you with my presence. <laughs> You're about, welcome. About three
1: out of five nights.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just ready to go on vacation again. Yeah and it's not been bad but i'm excited because for the first time in fucking forever i have a whole weekend off oh yeah and i plan on sleeping 12 hours tonight and 12 hours tomorrow night
1: that i imagine that must be nice i'm so excited yeah so excited rachel has not had a full weekend in probably since we've lived in this house probably not yeah
2: if i've not been out of town i've been working all weekend yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm ready for it (laughs) okay
1: um before we start I Where have week though. Oh, Tell it was uh, it was pretty good. Um it's been really quiet because school just started mm-hmm. and so a lot of what I'm doing at work is just um you know putting out fires yeah. that have sprung up since since uh the first week of classes. Um, I did have I told you about my fun student yesterday. Yeah, that was fun Uh, (laughs) So a student brings her her mom in. I asked her to bring her mom in so that uh, We could set up an FSA ID for her mom. Her mom can just sign her FAFSA digitally and not have to do it by paper Uh, well, we put her student identifiers into the FSA website and An account pops up and so I'm like so we'll just recover your account and then you can just sign digitally well, we get into the account And it has the wrong social security number, which happens every so often. You just log in and correct it, Um, except this time it won't let me. So I call federal student aid. I'm like, hey, I've got a student here with her mother. Um, We're trying to get the mom's social security number corrected on the FSA ID. And the first woman is like, "Um, okay, we can help you with that. And I'm like, there's just one problem. The mom only speaks French. Like we need to get a translator. Um, I can't speak French. I can't translate for the student. Can translate for if you think that would work. She was like, "Uh, we usually have to talk to the person whose FSA ID account it is." I'm like, "That's fine. So just, you know, get a, a translator on the line. We'll fix it." Uh, and so she transfers me to a translation service and does not stay on the line. So I am now talking to a translation service who cannot help me fix the student's FSA ID um so i was like i'm just gonna hang up we'll try again so i call back i get a second guy this guy is like don't worry we can help you uh give me a minute i'm gonna call the translation service we'll all stay online together we'll work it out and he puts me on hold and a second later i hear that click and he hung up on me
2: rude
1: so the third time we call i'm like here's the situation uh i called once Hurry before up on me. and they transferred me and then I called a second time and he hung up on me. Is there any way you can please help? And the woman on the line is like, uh, let me talk to the, the student. And I'm like the student or the student's mom. And she's like the student, cause it's going to fuck with her FSA. It's going to fuck with her FAFSA. And so that she's the one that I'll need to talk to. And I'm like, that's great. Okay. So I hand it over to the student and about 10 minutes later, the woman on the phone is like, what is the email address on your mom's FSA ID account? and the student gives her the email address that I have in my file and the one that we're looking at on the computer as we're talking to this woman. And uh, the student gives her that email and the FSAID agent says, no, that's not the one we have on file for your mom. So this is when it clicks with me and I'm like, did you by any chance make two FSAIDs for your mom? One with the right social security number and one with the wrong social security number? And the student's like, maybe. <laughs> and so I was like let's do this I put in the, the mom's identifiers we recovered a second account for the mom changed the password I deactivated the one with the wrong social security number and then I was like okay give me 30 minutes and we can fix your FAFSA and then I had another student who had come in that, at that time so the student was like I'll come in uh, before we leave today I'm like, that's great, just come back in. She came back in about an hour later and I did her FAFSA, signed with her mom's FSA ID and sent her on her way. And I'm like, it was that easy. It took five minutes once we had everything in front of us, but it took an hour to get this woman into the right FSA ID account. It was
2: a A good time.
1: It was fun, it was fun problem solving. Um, have you, by any chance, before we start the episode, I wanted to ask you, have you seen this meme?
2: I think about the Hobby Lobby smuggling scandal way too often. Oh! What you got there? Damn! <laughs> no, I have not!
1: So, um... A few years ago, Hobby Lobby, you may know, famously got caught smuggling artifacts out of Iraq into the U.S. to display at a Bible museum run by Hobby Lobby's owners. And I saw a meme about this earlier when my sister sent it to me because she had never heard this story. Um, And that reminded me of the one that I was going to do today. I found out about her through a Facebook meme.
2: Ooh. But the meme
1: that I found out about her through was a little bit um, misleading. So the meme that I saw was that the uh, the woman who broke the Panama Papers. Have you heard of this? Have you seen this meme?
2: No, I've not.
1: Okay. So it the woman who um, broke the Panama Papers was assassinated. Um,
2: Sounds about right.
1: But when I went to look into her using the name that was in the meme, she was not what i was expecting really she did not she was not the anonymous source who leaked the the stuff she was not um the woman who like uh smuggled it or anything like that she was just a journalist who reported on it and she was the one who kind of introduced it to the world so it was a little bit misleading but i was really interested to learn about her her name is daphne ann vela have you heard of her
0: nope okay
2: I'm interested to learn about her, though.
1: So Daphne Ann Vela was born on the 26th of August, 1964, in Salima. Uh, she was the eldest of four sisters from the business, uh, born to the businessman, Michael Alfred Vela, and his wife, Rose Marie Vela, ni uh, Mamo. Uh, she was educated at St. Dorothy's Convent in Medina and St. Aloysius' College in Berkakarra. Carrara. Um, she became an activist in her teens and was first arrested when she was 18 years old at a pro-democracy protest cool uh she was held in detention for 48 hours before being released the policeman who arrested her angela ferrugia went on to become the speaker of the maltese parliament
2: nice
1: so she's speaking truth to power when she's 18. In 1985, she married lawyer Peter Caruana Galizia, the grandson of John Caruana and a great-grandson of E.L. Galizia and A. Caruana. Uh, Daphne and uh, Peter had three sons, Matthew, Andrew, and Paul. Uh, Matthew was a member of the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Um, Their family left Sleema. In 1990 and moved to Bidne- Bidnija, a hamlet in the limits of Masta. Uh, after deciding to become a journalist, she landed a job with the Sunday Times of Malta as a news reporter in 1987. And She was a regular columnist from 1998 to 1992, and again from 1993 to 1996. At this time, she was going by Daphne Caruana Galizia. Uh, she was an associate editor of the Malta Independent in 1992 and remained a columnist with that newspaper and Malta Independent Society, uh, Malta Independent on Sunday until her death. She also worked in media and public relations consultancy. Uh, Daphne was also the founding editor of Taste and Flare, a monthly lifestyle magazine, which was uh, distributed along the Malta Independent on Sunday. They were merged into a single magazine entitled Taste and Flair in July 2014 and Caruana Galizia remained editor until her death. Taste and Flair is now published by the Daphne Caruana Galizia Foundation. Hmm. In the 1990s, she attended the University of Malta as a mature student and took a BA with honors in archeology span with a minor in anthropology. Um, She was featured on the Dean's List when she graduated um, in 1996. In March 2008 she set up a blog entitled Running Commentary which included investigative reporting and commentary on current affairs and public figures. The blog was one of the most popular websites in Malta regularly attracting over 400,000 views which I am jealous of and wish that we had. One day one, day. one day. One day we will. Um, this uh her blog Running Commentary uh, ...attracted more viewers than the combined circulation of Maltese newspapers. Damn. <laughs> um, I'm about to read some things that uh, need a content warning... ...for political violence and violence against animals. So Ooh. if you're if you're sensitive to those things, you may want to skip ahead a few minutes. Uh, Caruana Galizia was harassed relentlessly and intimidated for her work and opinions. The front door of her house was set on fire in 1996 the family dog had its throat slit and was laid across her doorstep. Years later, the neighbor's cat was burned, probably in a misdirected attack. There was a murder attempt in 2006 when the house was set on fire while the family was asleep inside. After Caruana Caruana Galizia started her blog, her terrier Zulu was poisoned and her collie Rufus was put down after being shot.
2: Hmm.
1: According to Matthew Caruana... I got it,
2: I got it. What's up? Nothing, it's just rude.
1: According to Matthew Caruana Galizia, threats were almost a daily occurrence. These took the form of phone calls, letters, notes pinned to the front door, text messages, emails, and comments on her blog. Caruana Galizia was arrested on uh, 8 March 2013 for breaking the political silence on the day before the 2013 general election after she posted videos mocking Joseph Muscat. She was questioned by the police before being released after a few hours. On, uh, in November of 2010, after commenting about the conserva- uh, conservation of the former home of Queen Elizabeth II, Galizia was described by the Daily Telegraph as the leading commentator in Malta. Other major stories and controversy centered around the Panama paper revelations and allegations that Chris Cardona had visited a brothel during an, invest, uh, during an official government visit in Germany in uh, January 2017. In 2016, Caruana Galizia questioned how British millionaire Paul Golding got rich and acquired Palazzo Nasciaro in Naxar. Uh From mid-2017, Caruana Galizia became a harsh critic of the new nationalist opposition leader, Adrian Delia, uh, over claims that he had laundered money for a company involved in a prostitution ring in Soho. And in February 2016, she hinted on running commentary that the Maltese government minister, Conrad Mitzi had connections with Panama and New Zealand. This compelled the minister to reveal the existence of a New Zealand registered trust. Two days later, which he claimed was set up to manage his family's assets on the 25th of february caruana galizia revealed that prime minister joseph muscat's chief of staff keith shembry owned a similar trust in new zealand which in, which in turn uh held a panama company um so this whole is uh, taking place um, about a year after the Panama Papers leaked. Okay, yeah. In 2015, Anonymous Packer leaked a series of documents from the Panama Law Firm and corporate holding company, Mossack Fonseca, which revealed the personal financial ties, uh, which revealed the personal financial ties. um, I completely just trailed off in the middle of that sentence. Uh, John Doe. Hashtag armchair apocrypha. Hashtag armchair apocrypha. <laughs> uh, personal financial ties of a lot of rich people throughout the world. Got it. It's probably what I was going armchair. for. Uh, John Doe, the whistleblower who leaked the documents to German journalist Bastian Obermeier from the newspaper Surich Zeitung remains anonymous even to the journalist who worked on the investigation. My life is in danger, he told them. In a May 6, 2016 statement, John Doe cited income inequality as the reason for his actions, and said that he leaked the documents simply because I understood enough about the contents to realize the scale of the injustices that they described. He added that he had never worked for any government or intelligence agency, and expressed willingness to help prosecutors if granted immunity from prosecution. After um, SC, the German newspaper, verified that the statement did in fact come from the source of the Panama Papers, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists posted the full documents to its website, which is how the Panama Papers first came out. SC asked the ICIJ to help because the amount of data involved. Journalists from 107 media organizations in 80 countries analyzed documents detailing the operations of the law firm. After more than a year of analysis, the first news stories were published on April 3, 2016, along with 150 of the documents themselves. The April 2016 leak confirmed that Conrad Mitzi owned a Panama company, Hernville Incorporated, and that Mitzi and Shimbri had also opened another company, Tilgate Incorporated. The companies were also owned by the Orion Trust, New Zealand Limited, which are the same trustees of Mitzi and Chimbri's New Zealand Trust, Rotorua and Haast, respectively. So you don't have to memorize these people's names, but these are the people that um, Galicia had gotten herself into a, a internet war with, a journalism mm-hmm. war. Uh, as the first person to break news of Mitzi's and Chimbri's involvement in Panama, uh, Daphne Caruana Galizia, was subsequently named as, by Politico as one of the 28 people who are shaping, shaking, and stirring Europe. Politico described her as a one-woman WikiLeaks crusading against untransparency and corruption in Malta. In 2017, she alleged that Egrant, another Panama company, was owned by Michelle Muscat, wife of Prime Minister Joseph Muscat. Muscat claimed that the, alligator, uh, that the allegations, blah, The allegations are the reason he called the June 2017 general elections almost a year early, which saw his Labor Party return to power, but Caruana Galizia showed that an early election had already been planned before the leaks. At around 3pm on 16 uh, October 2017, Caruana Galizia was assassinated in a car bomb attack on her (laughs) on her leased puget 108 while she was driving uh close to her home in bidnichia the explosion left the vehicle scattered in several pieces across nearby fields she was in the driver's seat at the time Uh, her remains were found by her son matthew 80 meters away from the blast site after he heard a blast from their family home he wrote on facebook i looked down and there were my mother's body parts all around me uh, her assassination marks the sixth car bombing in Malta since the beginning of 2016, and the first one where the, where the victim was not a known criminal, and the fourth, fatality. Uh, the title of her last blog post before leaving in her car read that Crook Shimbri was in court today pleading that he is not a crook. You I know, am not a crook! I Sorry, am that's
2: crook. how I'm imagining him saying that, but go ahead. The, Sorry. Uh, the blog Proceed. post... <laughs>
1: The blog post ended with the line, There are crooks everywhere you look now. The situation is desperate. Will you calm yourself? Barring, barring during elections, her home had not been under police guard since 2010. According to police sources, her protection was further relaxed after the Labor Party was returned to power in 2013. The power to set up a public inquiry into whether Daphne Caruana Galizia's life could have been saved rests with the Maltese Prime Minister Joseph Muscat. He did not immediately set up a public inquiry. The former uh, formal request by Caruana Galizia's heirs to set up a public inquiry was presented by letter to Malta's Prime Minister Joseph Muscat on August 9, 2018 based on the legal opinion of Doughty Street Chambers and Bot Murphy solicitors. The Prime Minister has blocked a public inquiry, forcing Daphne Carowina Galizia's family to litigate to ensure that their rights are protected. So, the man that she was railing against is the one who has the power to uh, open an investigation into her death.
2: Sounds about right. Yeah.
1: Uh, forensic Sounds teams. Like he's gonna
2: get to the bottom of it. Oh,
1: I'm. I'm definitely <laughs> sure get that, that we'll. Uh, we'll get an answer any day now. I okay, good. Sure good. Um, forensic teams and police investigators arrived at the crime scene soon after the explosions. The head of the uh, magisterial inquiry was initially to be a magistrate Consuelo uh, uh, Consuelo Scary Herrera. Who had previously had the police prosecute Caruana Galizia for criminal libel in 2010 to 2011. So, this guy had prosecuted her before. Uh, Caruana Galizia's family successfully challenged her role in the investigation, citing her conflict of interest. Scary Herrera recused herself from the investigation 17 hours later when it was replaced by Magistrate Anthony Vela, who was removed from the inquiry when he was appointed to, uh, to judge the case. Muscat stated that the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation was asked to help the police investigating the car bomb attack. Police forensic investigation team from the Netherlands also arrived uh, to assist. The investigators were also joined by the 3 Europol f- by 3 Europol in- officials. The non-Maltese teams provided technical support on December 4th, uh, 2017. Maltese Prime Minister Joseph Muscat announced that 10 individuals had been arrested in connection to the investigation, three of whom were later charged with executing the assassination. The suspects were identified as uh, George DiGiorgio, his brother Alfred DiGiorgio, and their their friend Vince Muscat. Recognize that last name? Muscat? Muscat. Yeah. Yeah. None of the three suspects had been brought to trial. None of the intermediaries and mandators have been identified and prosecuted. Malta's prime minister continues to block the public inquiry into the circumstances of Daphne Caruana Galizia's assassination in violation of the European uh, Convention on Human Rights. Caruana Galizia's remains were released for burial on the 27th of October 2017. A public funeral was held on November 3rd, 2017 at the Rotunda of Masta. Thousands of mourners attended the funeral, applauding and making V for victory signs as her coffin was carried out of the church by her sons. Uh, the day was observed as a national day of mourning in Malta. A funeral uh, mass was conducted by Charles uh, Cicluna, Archbishop of Malta, who in his homily told journalists, "'Never to grow weary in your mission "'to be the eyes, the ears, and the mouth of the people.'" In a message directed to Caruana Galizia's sons, Matthew, Andrew, and Paul, He said, as you know, whenever your mother was abroad, she had a habit of lighting a candle in church for each one of you. The silent prayer of a mother for her children. Your beloved mother died a cruel death by the hidden hand of someone who valued darkness over the light of his actions uh, are evil. See that you will always be children of the light. President Marie-Louise Colliero Preca and Prime Minister Joseph Muscat did not attend the funeral, saying Caruana Galizia's family had made it clear that they were not welcome there. The leader of the opposition, Adrian Delta, was conspicuous by his his absence. Among the people at the funeral were several high officials, including Silvio Camillieri, Chief Justice of Malta, Antonio Tahani, President of the European Parliament, Harlem Desir, OSCE representative on the freedom of the media, Eddie Fanich Adami, uh, former president of Malta and former leader of the Nationalist Party, and Lawrence Ganzi, former prime minister of Malta and former leader of the Nationalist Party, and Simon Busutol, former leader of the Nationalist Party. So she had a lot of nationalists. at her Yeah, family. yeah, she did. Um, so she was the one who basically brought the Panama Papers to light in trying to prosecute the Maltese government, but she was not the one who broke them or the one who did the initial whistleblowing, um, is the point that I was trying to make.
2: Okay, hello. That was really good, Andrew. Thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. You want to take a guess about what mine is about?
1: I have no idea what yours is about.
2: Good. Because it's just random.
1: Okay.
2: just thinking about her randomly today. Today I'm going to do, it's kind of short because my computer is acting up on me a lot. Okay. So we're just going to go through it real fast. Sounds good. It's about an icon, a legend, the Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. (laughs) dolly rebecca parton was born on january 19th 1946 in a one-room cabin on the banks of little pigeon river at pentman center tennessee a very small community she is the fourth of 12 fucking children wow um mercury
1: get your face out of my wine
2: parna said or sorry ow are we good also, her mother, her eleven pregnancies, the tenth being twins, and twenty years made her a mother of twelve by age thirty five. Could you imagine having twelve children in five years? No, I can't. Man, Dolly Rebecca Parton. Dolly's middle name beca- um, comes from her maternal great great grandmother Rebecca w- Witted. Uh, she has described her family as dirt poor.
1: <laughs> dirt poor.
2: Barton's father paid the doctor who helped deliver her with a bag of cornmeal. Yep.
1: <laughs> with that.
2: Cornmeal. She, she began performing as a child. I'm um, she began performing as a child singing on local radio and television programs in the East Tennessee area. By ten she was appearing on the Cass Walker show and radio and WBR WBIR T V in Knoxville, Tennessee.
1: Can you imagine being that famous that young?
2: Nope. After graduating um, her high school. She moved to Nashville literally the next day. Wow. Her initial success came as a songwriter, having signed with Columbine. Or, sorry, Combine Publishing. Shortly after her arrival, with her frequent songwriting partner, her uncle Bill Owens, she wrote several charting singles during the time, including two top ten hits: uh, "Put It Off Until Tomorrow" by Bill Phillips and Skeeter Davis's "Fuel to the Flame." Okay. So on, so on. In 1967, musician and country music entertainer Porter Wagner invited Parton to join his organization, offering her a regular spot in his weekly syndicated TV program, The Porter Wagner Show, and in his roadshow. As documented in her 94 autobiography, initially much of Wagner's audience was unhappy that Norma Jean, the original performer, uh, that she replaced Norma Jean, and was reluctant to accept her. With Wagner's assistance, however, Dolly became eventually accepted. Nice. Wagner convinced his label RCA Victor to sign her. RCA decided to protect their investment by releasing her first single as a duet with Wagner, the song, a remake of Tom Paxson's The Last Thing on My Mind, released in late 1967, reached the country top ten, launching a six-week streak of virtually uninterrupted top ten singles of the pair. Badass. So, so on and so forth. Um... So, Parsons' first Dolly's first solo single, just because I'm a woman, was released in the summer of 68 and was a moderate chart hit reaching number 17. For the remainder of the decade, none of her solo efforts, even in the good old days, which later became a standard, was, a successful, was as successful as her duets with Wagner. Um, the duo was named Vocal Group of the Year in 68 at the Country Music Awards, or Association. Okay. Uh, but Parton solo records were continually ignored. Wagner had a significant financial stake in her future. As of 1969, he was her co-producer and owned nearly half of Opar, the publishing company Parton had founded with Bill Owens. Au pair? Au pair. O-W-E-P-A-R?
1: O-W-P-E...
2: O-W-E-P-A-R. O-P... Pair, yeah. Oh, pair. It's not It's O W E dash P A R. Okay. Maybe it's like the French like country yeah. slang all pair. <laughs> um. Both of them had grown frustrated by her lack of solo charts, so she or er, Wagner persuaded Parton to record Jimmy Rogers' Mule Skinner Blues, a gimmick that worked. The record shot to number three followed closely by her first number one single, Joshua. For the next two years, she had numerous solo hits, including her signature song, "Code of Many Colors, in addition to her, her duets. Um, although her solo singles and the Wagner duets were successful, her biggest hit of the period was obviously Jolene, which we all fucking know. Jolene, um, Jolene. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, who had always envision- envisioned a solo career, made the decision to leave Wagner's organization. The pair performed their last duet concert April of 1974 and she stopped appearing on his TV show in mid-74, which is probably the same fucking time, yeah. although they remained affiliated. Um, in 1974, her song, I Will Always Love You, written about her professional break from Wagner, went to number one on the country chart. Nice. Around the same time, Elvis Presley indicated that he wanted to record the song. Dolly was interested until Presley's manager, Colonel... Excuse me. Tom Parker told her that it was a standard procedure for the songwriter to sign over half of the publishing rights to any song recorded by Presley. So she fucking refused, like the badass woman she is.
0: <laughs>
2: that decision has been credited with helping to make her many millions of dollars in royalties from the song over the years. Duh. Thank you, Whitney <laughs> um, Da da da. So now we're going to the late '70s, early '80s. She consistently charted, or consistently charted in the Country Top Ten, with eight singles reaching number one. Um, but we don't know Country much, so we won't talk about it. She's won several Grammy Awards for all these. She's been in movies like 9 to 5. Um And then in the late 80s, early 2000s, she kind of went to Bluegrass for a little bit mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it. Um And then when we're getting to the more present, like the last 10 years... um it says that Parton earned a second Academy Award nomination for her best original song for Traveling 3, which she wrote specifically for the feature film Transamerica. Due to the song and film's acceptance of transgender woman, Parton received death threats for it. Um,
1: well, That's not good.
2: Yep. And then I do remember this song because I did listen to it. She returned to number one on the country chart later in 2005 by lending her distinctive harmoni- harmonies <laughs> to Brad Paisley's When I Get Where I'm Going. Um, so on and so forth. sorry. no worries on october twenty seventh two thousand nine Parton released a four c d box set, Dolly, which re- featured ninety nine songs and spanned most of her career, which is kind of cool Damn. she has ninety nine fucking songs
1: ninety nine songs
2: um on February eleventh two thousand twelve after the sudden death of Whitney Houston, Dolly Parton stated mine. Is only one of millions of hearts broken over the death of Whitney Houston. I was, I will always be grateful and in awe of the wonderful performance she did on my song, and I can truly say from the bottom of my heart, Whitney, I was all, always love you. You'll be missed. I do remember seeing a thing where Dolly Parton's like, "Yeah, I wrote the song and did great," and then I heard Whitney sing it for the uh, Bodyguard or whatever, yeah. and she's like, "That is her song." And I just, I'll talk a little bit more about how much I respect Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, do Dolly Parton is a prolific songwriter, having begun by writing country music with so- strong elements of folk music based on her upbringing in humble mountain surroundings, da-da-da, and reflecting her family's Christian background. Her song is Code of Many Colors, I Was All, Always Love You, and Jolene, among the others, have become classics. Um, and also her songwriting has been in many films, like I said earlier, 9 to 5, mm-hmm. I Will Always Love You was in The Bodyguard. Um, she had the best little whorehouse in Texas, which is actually a really good movie. Um, I think it is. I believe you. It's fun. (laughs) Um, so the thing I love about delay partner is she could give, she does all this. Everyone's on her. She's such an icon, but you don't really know much about her personal life because she's actually personal about it and doesn't give a shit. Um, so, on May 30th, 1966, Dolly Parton and Carl Thomas Dean were married in Georgia. Okay. Although Parton does not use Dean's surname professionally, she has stated that her passport says Dolly Parton Dean and that she sometimes uses Dean when signing contracts. And he is a retired um, from running an asphalt road paving business in Nashville, has always shown publicity and rarely accompanies his wife to any events. She's always by herself. Okay. According to Dolly, he has seen her perform only once. She has also said in interviews that although it appears they spend little time together, it is simply that nobody sees him in public, she, and she's not really in public that often.
1: I can she, I can like imagine being in that situation. Exactly. Like, no, no, I'm good. I I support you, but also I'll be I, here. Yeah.
2: She's commented on Dean's romantic side, saying that he does not he does he does spontaneous things to surprise her, and sometimes even writes poems for her. In 2011. She said, we are really proud of our marriage. It's the first for both of us and the last. (laughs) Aww. Um, I
1: can also understand why she she wouldn't want to go by Dolly Dean.
2: Yeah, they don't have any children on their own, but they have raised, like, nieces and nephews together. And that's what I love about her. Um, She's been... I don't know. It really doesn't say too, too much about her Mm. because she keeps it so private, and that's what I fucking love about her. How old is she now? She is... I have a couple fun facts, so I'm not quite okay. done, but I'll be done soon. 73. 73. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
1: And she's still making public appearances. That is that is impressive.
2: Yeah, she still goes on tour, so I'll have some fun facts about her. Okay. I'm sorry, this is a really bad one because my computer was not working. Um... She once, I th- I've think i heard this before, but I think it's funny. She once lost a Dolly Parton lookalike contest.
1: <laughs> I remember that story, yeah.
2: Yes. Um, I think it was a, yep, it was a drag show contest, and she lost it. I've also heard Adele has lost one, too, or she's been in one. Um, the first clone sheep was named after her, so you know how the first clone sheep was named Dolly? Yeah. Well, it's named after this specific Dolly, which is kind of cool. They revealed that the sheep was derived from a mammary gland cell and they couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton's.
1: That's a little bit. That's rude. Uh, inappropriate. Yep, sorry.
2: Yeah. Should have left that part out. Hashtag armchair apocrypha.
1: Hashtag armchair apocrypha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's never running any of her rides at Dollywood. Have you been to Dollywood? No. Uh, my friends and I went, but it was closed. We oh. were there in the wrong season. She it's turned like down Elvis.
1: I... Oh, that was about the song. Never <laughs> mind.
2: <laughs> Do you know who her hit, what her hit Jolene was written about? Who? A banker. A banker? Have you ever wondered who her hit song Jolene was about? Dolly actually wrote the song about a red-headed banker teller. She said the banker was showing interest in her husband and he loved going to the bank because she paid him so much attention. It became a running joke between the couple and Dolly teased, you're spending a lot of time at the bank. I don't believe we got that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she never sleeps in hotels on tours. With as much as she travels, it's on tour it's quite surprising that she doesn't sleep in hotels um she just finds it more convenient to sleep on her tour bus okay she hates unpacking and packing all of her clothes so she just stays in her bus but i've been one at hotels that i never put my clothes in oh, their dressers no, i don't know yeah exactly i keep all of
1: it on my i live out my suitcases if i'm there for a week i'm living out of suitcases every day
2: yeah, yeah. same like i just keep it there on the floor
1: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah um, but that's a little bit about Dolly Parton because we don't need you to know much about her because we <laughs> need to respect her privacy, what she obviously wants.
1: Well, she is a badass woman, so.
2: hmm I know. So, sorry. That's a little tidbit <laughs> about Dolly. Maybe I'll I'll dig deeper and find more out, out about her. Deep dive. Deep dive. Hard deep dive. Yeah. Sorry. You did a long one this week. I did a short one. And then we'll do, like, a normal one yeah. next week. Sounds good. Next two weeks. Ugh. <laughs>
1: You ready to get out of here? I am. You're going to go back to Mindhunter.
2: Yes, we are. We (laughs) are. Not me. Both of us.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So that was our episode for this week. We're going to go watch Mindhunter. Uh, I think we've only got a few more episodes left in the season. Um, You can find us online at uh, absintheactivismarts.wordpress.com. Yeah, absintheactivismarts.wordpress.com. It's been so long since I've done this, damn. <laughs> um, you can find us online at uh word absinthe You can find us on Facebook at absinthe Activism Arts. uh you can find us on Twitter at absinthe act Art. Um I got a Facebook message the other day from a woman who did not quite understand what Absent Activism Arts is. I think she thought it was a service of some kind. Uh, We're not a service. We're a collective. Um, If you have questions about what a collective is and what a collective does, you can text us and find out about that. But we're not a service. We don't do services. Um, if you are interested in commissioning a, uh, a drawing or painting or anything like that, uh, our artist Katie White has artwork up on the website. Um, if you're interested in music, our guitarist and singer-songwriter, Joshua, Pro- Joshua Paul Brooks, who does our intro and outro, um, you can find him on Reverb Nation, um, And we have we have links for everything up on the website and you can find my books and my short stories up on uh, our website There are links to the amazon um, And medium pages Uh, I'm also on the fediverse at uh, awm rights on um, mastodon and uh, jibberfish Um, We also have a paypal we don't have any patrons if you want to sign up to support us help us buy new microphones, get more guests, be able to do nice things so our computer doesn't crash again and lose the audio file. No!
2: Uh, I want to hear it!
1: Look us up on uh, Patreon and uh, consider throwing us a few dollars. I also have Venmo, PayPal, um, Square Cash, and uh, Coffee set up if you just want to make a one-time donation. Um, And I think that that is everything. Um, If you want to see pictures of our cute dog who has been whining at us throughout this episode uh, you can check me out on Instagram at AWMWrites um, and I think that's everything
2: yes alright
1: we're going to get out of here uh, we'll see you next time, we love you and have a great week under the tongues
0: of men lie the Simple truths of terror, but my love's eyes make bright the night skies and clears the stormy weather in the rain. I'm like a wet dog, and my hunger it intensifies. But the thunder clears all my mind's sounds, and the fear it is justified. The lightning gorgeous. The plains of fantasies go up and flame. The distinguished author goes insane, but my love, she remains just the same.